thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. So we've been working through the book of Romans. And I have been enjoying this because what I do when I look at a sermon series is I, I talk to friends and other pastors who have preached something. I, I do a lot of studying. I look at a lot of information. But as I am doing that, I'm changed too because I'm learning from God's word as well. You know, any pastor that tells you they think they know everything out the Bible is probably a little bit loony. We're always learning. In the same way, we're always seeing what God's spirit teaches us and how we apply the truth of God's word in our lives. That's why I encourage you to get the books out there and be involved in your own study because God, by his spirit, will speak to you. If you belong to him, if you've given your life to him, his Holy Spirit dwells in you. And you will be drawn in and changed. He will call into your presence, into your vision, into your awareness all the time. Things that you can see in the world around you. And chance encounters and just little moments. God will speak to you in the strangest way. And this week, as we look at God's word in the book of Romans in chapter 5, as we begin, there's a change that takes place in the book of Romans. The first few chapters, as we'll see, have been setting us up for a greater understanding, a deeper understanding of what God is doing to reestablish the relationship lost all the way back when sin robbed us of our peace in the Garden of Eden. So we're going to look here at Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we we have also obtained access... By faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us for while we were still weak at the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. From God's word, one of the most powerful places in the book of Romans here, Romans chapter 5, and I love this. There's this chain of explanations that Paul gives about our lives and what we endure and what we experience and how God works through all those things. But why do we need God to work through all these things? Because the problem in our world is that we don't have any peace. Perhaps worse than that, we don't really understand peace. It's not only in scarce and short supply, but it's misunderstood in concept yet also in practice and in scope and even, I would say, depth of what peace is. In other words, we view peace as something that happens in our lives. It's a byproduct of something based on our actions, our activities. 
It's an end to hurts or hostility. It is a release of tension in relationships, whether between people or between nations. That's what we think of peace. It's something that we produce. It's a byproduct of our efforts. And when it's absent, we're always aware of it. And when it's present, we're always worried about it because we know it is often temporary, tenuous, and tedious. It takes a lot of work. Every time there's a ceasefire between nations, what do we wait to see happen? When's that going to get messed up? We turn on the news every day and that's what we see, that's what we think about. We do that not just between nations, but in relationships. This week is Valentine's Day. Statistically, people have more fights the week of Valentine's Day. Guys, I have a solution for you. I'm going to share my secret. I've invented a new holiday in my life. It's called the Week of Love. And what I do every day, every day in the Week of Love is I do something special for my wife because I am going to avoid this statistical trend of tension and of a lack of peace Valentine's Week. You don't have to do something big, but if you wake up every day doing something loving for your spouse, ladies, you can do that too. That's great. But guys, this is Valentine's Week and you better be ready. You've been warned because we have to in our hearts, in our minds, work hard because we want to keep the peace in our homes, in our lives, in our workplaces. Because when you get sinful human beings together, we wait for the other shoe to drop. We wait for the ceasefire to end. We wait for all of this to go sideways, whether it's in our homes, in our lives, in our nation, at school, at our workplace, whatever it is, we wait for it all the time. You know, I, I have some friends that have preached on this, and I said, what, what's, what's your ultimate example of this? And one of my friends said, it's easy. World War II, Neville Chamberlain comes back after meeting with Adolf Hitler and he says, I think we have secured a peace for our time. Well, what happened? World War II happened, right? We all know what happened after that. In fact, did you know that in 4,000 years of recorded human history, there have been less than 40 years without world-altering conflict in, in war, conflict, strife around the world. Only 40 years out of those 4,000 when there hasn't been a major war, conflict, or terrible event taking place in history. Let that sink in for a minute. It's no wonder we struggle to understand peace. We don't know it. We don't understand how to experience it. We don't even understand in our world today the source of it. You see, it won't come externally but as we heard from God's word where does this internal peace come from how do we understand in Christ Jesus how do we experience the source of real peace in God's word God's people have always struggled look at the passage here from the book of Isaiah for the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed but look what God promises my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed says the Lord who has compassion on you. The people in Isaiah's day were looking towards that peace that would come in Jesus Christ. We are always are searching for that deeper, that truer, that lasting peace in our lives. And you see, the Bible, in the book of Romans in particular, has a systematic process. When you see in God's word, when you see phrases like, therefore, what, but, why, so that, there's a systematic building, a doctrinal building, a moment of pause, take this in. 
One of our Bible teachers at Grove City College always said, if you see a therefore, you need to ask what it's there for, right? That's important. If you see it, don't speed through the next sentence, okay? This passage clearly stops and says, hold on. This is important in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is personal, it's practical, and it's doctrinal. It's going to build. You see, in Romans chapter 1, we understood through chapter 4 that the gospel is the key to salvation. But our sinfulness, our rebellion against God, we're stuck in sin. Worse than that, we like sin. And Paul says the problem is that we justify with laws and rules and regulations how we are less deserving of the wrath against sin than the next person. We compare, we justify, we're self-righteous. And Paul says, no, no, there's no righteousness. That's what we learned up through chapter 4. God says all sin is death and it condemns us. And the only way out of the mess is Christ Jesus and not our works and efforts and it's grace through faith in Christ. We're learning that and we're going to see that brought back in later in Romans as well. But in the midst of all those efforts, all that running on the treadmill, we think we're going to get peace. But what Paul wants us to understand in our spirits is peace is more than the absence of conflict. And in fact, the Jews have a real understanding of this. They understand the word peace as something different and deeper. The word in Hebrew, and remember it goes the wrong direction from English, is up there on your screen. That word is shalom. You've all heard it, right? The abiding peace that you see in God's word promise that we just even saw in Isaiah. Shalom is about more than the absence of conflict. It's about the presence of God. And more than that, when God is present, he reorders everything according to what is good and right and true, and he provides purpose and structure, direction and healing. He upends the chaos and replaces it with purpose. Not just the absence of conflict. And that understanding of shalom and the way we look at peace and love has a lot more to do with the Beatles than the Bible. All you need is, but what is love? Give peace a chance. But what does that mean? Remember last week when I said you have to know the what, but you also have to know the how, the doctrinal underpinnings of how things connect together to really get the why, the purpose that God gives us in our lives. That's why this doctrinal, I know time to learn all that. Well, then you don't understand what God's doing and you're lost. God's word is declaring to us something powerful. Numbers chapter 6 in the Old Testament God says to Aaron in the first priest when he gives him that covenant, remember we talked last week about how God said, here is the law. When they were talking about, he says, Abraham didn't have the law, that didn't come till Moses. Well, back when they start getting God's presence and God says, build me a tabernacle, I'm going to dwell there, I'm going to be present, you're going to have guidance, fire and cloud, I'm going to lead you into that promised land. He says to the priests, here's how you are to bless the people. I want God's blessing in my life. People always say that. Numbers chapter 6, God says, look, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, those are the priests, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face to shine upon you. You guys know this one, right? And be gracious to you, grace. The Lord lift up his countenance, looking at you face to face upon you. And give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. And God says, I will bless them. When you're face to face with God, when he lifts up and he looks you in the eye, when God says, you know me, when you understand me, when you follow me, when I lead you, you will know peace, you will know abundance, you will know purpose. You will understand all of these things. The context here, God is sending the people into the promised land to claim what God has given them and to overcome evil there, and they're going to go in I'm sorry to tell you this, and go to war and fight for what is right and to take what God has promised them. And God says, when you're in the midst of the fight for what's right, what's good, what I declare to be true, I will be with you and I will give you my peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God's abiding spirit and his purpose beyond circumstances. What was the evil that they were going to encounter in the promised land? What are some of the things? How about the god Molech, which is a big metal thing that you heat up and you put your baby on to be burned to death so God would bless you with long life or a good harvest? I'm sure glad we've progressed beyond that in our country today. You know we haven't, you know that. When a country has to have a conversation about whether or not a baby that survives abortion has rights. If you're looking for the line, it's all the way back here in God's word. What are we doing? How can you have peace in a world where people are arguing whether a living child is worth it. But you see, the church in Rome understood that. Because in the Roman culture, if you didn't want a kid, you left it out on the streets to die of exposure. And you know who picked up those children and kept them alive? The Roman church. Look it up in history. Josephus, chapter 28. What are we doing in our world today? Are we looking around? I'm so uncomfortable with how hard my world is. Remember, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God and his abiding purpose as we fight against what is evil and wrong and dark. And that's always been the way God has operated. Beyond our circumstances, knowing your belonging and your blessing, the abiding presence of God in your heart, his Holy Spirit in your life, pouring out abundance, as Romans 5 reminds us, that God is with us is how we have shalom. It's how we have belonging, identity, and it changes our relationship to everything else around us. Being blessed by God means standing for what he declares will bless our land, no matter how uncomfortable it is. Peace in Christ means we exist to know God and to give him glory. 
even when it's hard, even when there's conflict, even when we have pain. It's not the absence of conflict, it's the presence of God and knowing we belong to him during the conflict. That's what it's all about. From beginning to end, look at Psalm chapter 4. In peace I will lie down and sleep. If you want a good night's sleep, it's that you know that God is sovereign and he's in control over all those things. I lay down, God, and I have peace. I'm with you. And belonging to Christ and knowing that we belong to him means that we have purpose. Our past has been redeemed. Our future is going to be very different. And God is with us in our presence, circumstances. Even in the midst of the face of the things that seek to destroy him, to deny him. That's how we find security. You see, insecurity is easy because insecurity causes us to say and do terrible things. I see it all the time. In relationships, when we don't know who we belong to, when we don't seek God's purposes, we try to justify ourselves. That's what Paul just spent the last couple chapters talking about. But when we rest in Christ, abide in Christ, when we're able to let go of that stuff and give it to God, we know that we're loved just the way we are. I've got news for you. None of you are perfect. And neither am I. If you knew half the stuff I thought or did, you probably would throw me out and set me on fire. But don't let the devil tell you that you're not meant to be here because you don't have it together either. The purpose of the Christian life is not the absence of sin, but the presence of repentance. It's not the necessity of perfection, but it's adoration. Giving God and praising God and saying, I belong to you, God, because I'm a mess. And I need you. I need you. In fact, Christ, you're the only way that I have that. It's like you have a house. And if you're like me, you have a house and you go into your house, you can unlock the door, you can go in, it's always there at your house. Some of you maybe have even paid off your house. It's, it's yours. Pay the taxes, which is theft. Sorry, IRS. I know you're listening. But, you know, hey, it's your house, right? Maybe you own your car. It's your car. You can do whatever you want to. But you go on vacation. We were on vacation, you know, in January. And for whatever reason, at our cool hotel we had, they have those tap the key card on the door things. Those don't work for squat. <laughs> you can ask my wife. We had to get, like, what, nine of those cards? I don't know. Like, every day, like, around, we knew if we didn't get another, like, by lunch, we had to go get a new card. It's just the way it was. And beep, 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 beep. And I'm saying all kinds of things I can't repay it on the podcast to you guys. And I'm just like, what is wrong with this bleeping card? That's what it's like without Christ. You don't know if what you've done is enough. But with Christ, if he belongs to you, you belong to him, it's, you're always home. You're always welcomed in. You're just there. You can go right in. You know that it never expires. You're always welcome. You're 100% sure. Full replacement costs, billionaire you know, insurance policy. If, if you pass away, the family's taken care of, whatever. All those things you worry about, all those things you fret, it's a done deal. You're welcomed, assured that God says, I'm never, ever, ever going to leave you. I'm never going to walk away. That's what he promised them in Aaron's blessing. And that's what we see here in Romans chapter 5. Since we have been justified, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, once and for all, Christ paid the price. We have now peace with God through Christ. He's the key. 
And it always works with God's heart. Through him we have also obtained access by faith in this grace. Remember, grace is you can't earn it, and faith is you don't do anything for it, just like Abraham had faith like we learned, by which we now stand. And we always stand. And because of that, our reaction is we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God's going to come back and all this stuff that's against him is going to praise him someday because belonging to Christ isn't just about our past. It isn't just about going to heaven in the future. It's about our present. Our past is redeemed. Our future is different. And our present belongs to Christ. And we're secure in it. And because we are secure in it, whatever we encounter, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We can celebrate that we know that God is not going to give up on us. He's never, ever going to walk away. We have faith and we know that God is in control and he works all things for good, as we're going to see in the book of Romans. And it's hard because our present sufferings, they hurt and they challenge us, and they challenge our endurance. They, they tear us down, and that's why you're never meant to walk through faith alone. That's why at our church, our leaders are talking about how to get smaller groups going where people can really share. I'm amazed in a church of 130-some people how some people don't even know each other. We need to make this a safe place where people pray and share and care for each other because when we are suffering, when we're hurting, we want to be able to celebrate. We want to be able to trust. That is really, really important for us. It's really important that in our suffering and our difficulty that we love and care for each other. You see, the devil never wants us to seek him or to seek God. You know, the devil never wants us to seek God and have his spirit pour into us like Romans 5 talks about. He always tries to separate us out. Don't let the devil ever teach you that you are meant to suffer alone. You see, God assures us that he loves us and that he's always with us and that he wants us to love and to care for each other. Our debt is paid. We belong to him. And the only lasting, abiding peace we know comes from one source, from Jesus Christ. He works all things for good as we're going to learn. No height, nor depth, nor anything else will separate us from him. And when we couldn't earn it and we couldn't deserve it, at the right time, Christ died for us, the ungodly. And you see, that's something we understand. That's something that makes sense for, to us. It's something that we really, truly get. We really get that because in Christ our debt is paid completely and totally. We really know what it means to belong to him. He loves us. The best news that we can ever have in our lives is this. Nothing you can do can never take you away from God's love. He's going to work all things for the good, even in our present suffering. He's going to be with us, and he's going to give us purpose, and he's going to give us hope in the now beyond our circumstances. God loved us so much when we were apart from him. How much more does he love us that now we belong to him? While we were still rebels, while we still oppose God, he reached out for us. He loved us. You see, someone may die for their friends. Someone may die for sure for their family. But how many of us would die for our enemy? I wouldn't. 
But that's exactly what Christ did. He died for us. While we were still completely opposed to him, while we still completely denied him, he suffered and died. But you see, through that, we are actually drawn in to know Christ's love, that true love, that true peace. When we were enemies, he welcomed us and he draws us in. And suffering allows us to have a small taste of what Christ endured. We can know Jesus' heart. But beyond that, we can learn that our own suffering has purpose as well. Some of you have endured terrible things in your lives, and we've talked and prayed, and I, that's okay, I know that, me too. But God never lets that purpose be in vain. And we can rejoice and celebrate because God will take those scars and use them to bless someone else. He does it all the time. He does. He blesses people all the time with our scars and with our hurts. And he uses those experiences to draw us in and change us. It builds character. It builds faithfulness to welcome and to share with Christ hope and peace that others can have. Peace with God. We find our worth in not the easy times, but the challenges of our lives. And we praise God. We praise him that he brings us hope that he brings us sanctification. That's what this passage wants us to understand. That's what God's word teaches everywhere. Philippians 4, God says, don't be anxious about everything, but in every situation, pray and thank God and give God what you're worried about and his peace, which goes beyond what we understand. We talk about this when we pray every week, but it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you give to others, when Women's at the, women at the retreat yesterday, when they, some of them mourned and cried and shared. And God makes us stronger when we experience his abiding presence together as God's family. That's the shalom that God is offering us. At one point, we thought we had to work hard. We thought we had to battle. We thought we had to get it all right. We thought we had to have everything perfect. And Paul says, no. The peace you have with God comes from allowing God to have all of you, even the broken parts. And God promises that he'll even take those broken things and use them to be a beautiful blessing to others. So now as we come to God's table, I'm going to invite those who are serving to come forward. Guys, can you put that last slide back up for me? I wasn't done with that. Thomas Watson was a Puritan pastor, and he said this, If God be our God, he will give us peace in trouble. When there is a storm without, he will make peace within. The world can create trouble and peace, but only God, only God can create peace in trouble. That's what we come to celebrate at this table, this table that represents the cross of Christ, not just his death, not just his suffering, but the hope of the resurrection and the restoration, the redemption of all things yet to come. This table is open to all those who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's not the table of Stowe Presbyterian Church or the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. It's the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't want to come to that table in a manner that is unworthy. So I invite all of you to join me in the prayer of confession up on the screen. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all, 
We confess our sins which we have committed by thought, word, and deed against you. We turn from them in this moment and we turn back to you. We seek your forgiveness and grace. Just thinking about our sin grieves our heart. Lord, we know it breaks your heart. Have mercy upon us, Heavenly Father. Forgive us and heal our lives. Transform us and use us for your glory. Fill us with your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. On the night that Christ was betrayed, he took bread and broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat of it, all of you. And in the same way, he took and he poured, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood. Take and drink of it, all of you. Friends, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we celebrate Christ Jesus till he comes again with that final peace and restoration and redemption yet to come.
Friends, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. Let's pray. Father, as you have indeed been present here in spirit, that you would bring us peace in our lives, 
Father, that you would let us experience your abiding presence by grace through faith this entire week, that we would know you are with us, that whatever persecution and suffering and difficulty, whatever trials we experience, that they would indeed cause us to endure and to come to you in faith, and that that endurance would indeed sanctify us and build up godly character, that you would draw us in to belong more completely to you, that we would be your people, and that we would know that you love us, that you accept us just the way we are. But God, you don't leave us there, that you seek to transform us and make us more your people. So God, wrap your loving arms around us as we go, that we would know the peace and the hope and the joy, that we would praise you, that we would glorify you in all that we do because you love us and that while we were still enemies, you died for us, but that you rose again, that you brought us hope for a new and better life, not just in the life to come, but purpose in the life we have now. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand and sing? It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word. friends, go into all the world, render to no one evil for evil, but strengthen the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, love and serve the Lord your God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.